Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to another episode of How Do We Sound. I am fresh off the boat. On mod. I'm not actually sure that would be the correct. Anyway, fresh off the board from America, I'm back and ready to chat to somebody else who is sounder than I am. If you've never listened before, this is How To Be Sound. It is a podcast where people who are sounder than me tell me about how to be sound like they are, kind of. If you're a new listener, you also will not know that I have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash McKay with an A in my Mac. Links to all the different ways you can pay my rent will be in the show notes. But for now, let's get to our guest. Today, I am joined by Margaret McAuliffe, a.k.a. Mags McAuliffe, <laughs> to, only to her friends. She yes. sure to tell me. Mags, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm delighted to be here, Rosemary McKay, with um, an A in the Mac. Ma- <laughs> Mags is what, what our parents would call like an arty person. You wear a few different hats, don't you? Yeah, I'm a, an actor, writer. I was an Irish dancer, which is which was more like a hobby, which has now become my profession in that I wrote a show about Irish dancing. But yeah, you have to be all things when you're a slasher. That is, mm. I was an actor slash waiter slash temp slash whatever and only now since 2016 I've been able to make the creative arts my full-time occupation and so yeah I, I, I suppose you have to be in charge of your own PR you have to promote yourself online and you have to be your own accountant as but you well. know what that's I mean that's not necessarily confined to the arts anymore yeah I'm, I'm gonna reference the article that I reference in every single episode of my podcast on millennial burnout from BuzzFeed did you read that article no I didn't it was very interesting it was talking about how we're we're the only generation that never switches off and that spends our time, whether subconsciously or not, creating and curating our own brands and our own PR online and kind of going like boomers laugh at millennials and go, oh, you know, they're always giving out about being tired. They're always giving out about being stressed. We didn't know what anxiety was, but like you didn't have to be on 24 hours a day. So it's very, very different. You mentioned that you've only been full time in the arts since 2016. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey up to that point, so like, what did you study? Did you always think that you were going to go into kind of theatre, directing, writing, or what was it that you originally planned for, if one can have a plan? Yeah, I suppose I wanted to be an actor since I was 17. I did the Belvedere Opera in 2000. What the fuck is the Belvedere Opera? It's their musical. But in it's Belvedere Bel- College? Yeah. <laughs> They I thought that was a boys' tour. school. It is, but they... Do aud- they just ship in the girls for the opera? They audition the girls... Yeah. And it's the social event of the year because... The south side is a foreign country. <laughs> it's well, not no, it's south side. the north side. It's north side. It's around sorry, the corner. Sorry, posh north side is a foreign country. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they auditioned for girl parts and a friend of mine was going along and she brought me and I did this show. It was Candide, Leonard Bernstein's Candide, a big Scottish opera. And we had huge costumes, you know, with big skirts and the hoops Only underneath in Bel- them. Only and, in private school, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Full orchestra that had been rehearsing the music for months. Months. Yeah, it was incredible. And did you sing? 
like before this. I did. I, I sang in choir and I sang, you know, if they wheeled the minister for finance out to the school and would have a little <laughs> recital, they'd be like, Mags will sing, you know, Kissing had, You um, by Desiree. <laughs> we had uh, Michelle Smith at our school. <gasps> oh, did she swim? Let's for them? move on. <laughs> no, no, she 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 went to our primary school before the before the medals. Oh, I see. Well, that's your I mean, and fame. and after, I, I guess we just don't talk about it anymore. Carry on. Oh, no, cool. Um, I was just thinking as soon as you said Michelle Smith, I saw Sonia Sullivan yesterday. She was getting coffee downstairs from me. Oh, I was very excited. Um, Every single time my mom sees Sonia Sullivan, her reaction is she looks very old. Oh, no. You're like, well, she's done more running in her entire life. Than like the six of us put together. Yeah. So she's probably a little bit tired, ma'am. Ah, God. She's been out in the sun a lot. I just, I was like. Oh, she's amazing. I was doe-eyed with admiration. The two, I said loads of people were. They were just like, ah. And she walked by. But anyway, I'm sure she gets that all the time. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So did the show in the Belvedere Opera and thought, oh, my God, what is this thing? The audience were laughing, really engaging. Basically, these boys who haven't seen a woman in, in months. Uh, Years. No. Well, I hadn't seen a boy because I went to all girls' school. So, like, it was all kicking off, you know? There was people fancying other people. It was like Love Island, but in 2000. And was, in was there a lot of North romance City. backstage? Well, of course. You would yeah. have a list of who you liked, and then that would be, like, cross-referenced against a list of who they yeah. liked. Oh, okay. So it was kind of... I thought the, you were going to say, like, of, who your friends liked. No, was it? Well, yes. I mean, there's you that mean, also. Like, how many did you take off the list? Well, one. I uh, <laughs> got with the guy who was working in lighting. So still involved, but not on the stage. Well, not the, in the cravat. There's only space still in, in a relationship for one star. <laughs> so that makes sense. You're the star and he will light you beautifully. Your life. <laughs> I should get my light. And you're still together to this day. No, I wish. Imagine that would be such a funny story. Um, yeah, so I wanted to be an actor from then. Um, but in school, I was very diligent. And my mom was kind of like, well, would you not, you know, do a degree? Get your bit of paper and then put that in your back pocket and then go and do your acting. Where, where is your mom from? This is a very generic Irish mammy accent. She is from Cork, but okay. she's lived in Dublin longer than she's ever lived in Cork. And I know it's a very generic Dublin, no, but I mean, uh, mother accent, but it is her to it. Is it? Because oh. because mine's from Kimmage and I probably do a similar kind of country <laughs> accent for her. You know, it's really like yeah. my mom, Irish yeah. mammies. I actually did. Oh, I wrote her into my show, The Humours of Bandon, which I'm sure we'll get to. I, she came to see it the first time and uh, I turned to her and I said, well, well, what do you think? And she said, I think I came across very well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that she was like, I hated that one. No, she's like, that's it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I want to be an actor. So I did a degree in multimedia. So we did. So, so Irish. I wanted to be an actor. So I did a degree in multimedia. It was like, this was the, bit of paper in the back yeah, pocket so it was you, a no, creative degree um I could still immerse myself in DCU drama if I wanted and kind of yeah have the college experience I guess and amass some skills that would be very handy should the acting not work out because I think it's quite important to have a few strings to your bow mm-hmm. because it's so difficult to make a, mm-hmm. a career from it full time yeah. So I did that and uh, loved it, but spent most of my time in DC drama. And then when I finished, as was kind of a rite of passage, went away traveling around the world for a year. And we did, didn't we? Like, well, I mean, I'm kind of making a face because I never did that. <laughs> so like, yes. Because you're also it, younger than I am. I'm, I'm 34. Oh, right. So I thought you were younger than that now. It's because it's I'm just back from America. Wow. Very fresh off the boat. Um, um, 
No, I, it, it was more because uh, basically friends and family are always kind of saying to me, oh, you know, do, do you really regret not going away? Should have gone away. Oh. And I'm like, ugh. But also, ugh, because probably the large reason that I didn't go away a lot of the time is because I've had a, st- a steady stream of boyfriends since I was about 11. Oh, la, So I was always la. like, I can't go away now. I'm, I have Brian at home. I can't <laughs> oh go away. Oh, my God. Whereas I was eternally single. So Never got, had a boyfriend. You got to see the world and all I saw was like one willy over and over and over again. <laughs> And when I, it was only when I was away that I met so many guys that were interested in me. And I was like, oh, my God, maybe that's the thing. Maybe I need to leave Ireland and then people will find me attractive. Oh, wow. But anyway, I had a ball that year. It was the best year of my life. It was incredible. Came back and was like, I still want to be an actor. This hasn't gone away. And now is the now is the time. So I was 24, just turning 25. So I said I would work to pay back my traveling debt and get a bit of money together for fees for college and then just start auditioning. So I auditioned for RADA. I got down to the third round in RADA, which for me was a huge stamp of approval because... RADA's in London, isn't it? Yeah, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And it is the drama school. Like It's, it's yeah. world renowned. And How many rounds do they do? That was the workshop round. And I think, would you do one more before they'd make the class? It's a lot of rounds. Yeah, it is, but it's highly contested. Oh, yeah, no, thousands of course, apply. Yeah. You have to pay to apply. You have to pay £50 to send in your application. Or you did anyway it's like the NCT. but <laughs> but when I got the letter to say that I was down to the third round I remember I was like going out for a run and I was just like skipping out the door because I I was smart enough to know that there's a lot of people out there that go oh, I'm going to be an actor I'm going to be an actor mm-hmm. and they mightn't really have the chops yeah and there's um, probably going to be a lot of people in your life who think you're brilliant yeah and, and genuinely believe that you're really talented but until you get Somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Going, yes. Yeah, you could be quite talented. It yeah. can be hard to, to believe it. Yes, absolutely. Or it's, it actually, far too many people do believe it. Yeah. But I think it's important to get someone the else. stamp of approval yeah. from a stranger. And that, that's, that was the letter from Rada. I auditioned for a few colleges. I auditioned for DIT, uh, the Gaiety School of Acting. Um, and unfortunately, Trinity had ceased their Bachelor in Theatre Studies and hadn't yet begun the Lear Academy. So okay. I was in that kind of... The in-between you know, Yeah, the in-between stage. Yeah. So I got into the Gaiety and I thought, this is perfect because I don't want to do another degree. Um, I already have a degree. I want to get my training done to get mm-hmm. out there into the world. So... The Gaiety was a two-year course. It was purely actor training. It wasn't and was a it full-time course. or was it part-time? Full-time. 8.15 to 6.15, Monday to Friday. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And you cannot be late. If you're late by 30 seconds, you're like on it. 8.15? Oh, yeah. That's very early. I know. And I was living in, at home at the time with my mum in Malahide. So the first bus out in the morning, oh, it was... But I was so dedicated and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. So you didn't mind. I think it's because like I did an arts degree and we had about 12 hours a week. So I'm like, that oh, sounds very strenuous. But that was my experience at college when I did multimedia. We had 18 contact hours a week and had the full college experience. And I remember there was a guy in my class who has left the profession now. He's working for Accenture or something. And we were coming in on Friday morning, 8.15, and he'd been out the Thursday night and he was hanging, you know, very hungover. And he said, uh, God, like college is killer when when it's 8.15 in the morning. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't college. <laughs> this is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This ain't college. Uh, this is school. This is acting school, for sure. And did you, like, did you enjoy it? I, did I enjoy the training? I enjoyed immersing myself in theatre and the thing that I love to do full time. Yes, I was also a very mature 26, I think. Yeah, 25 just turned in 26. So I was very mature for my age. And I spent I, I thought a lot of the time was taken up with 
kind of disciplining the class and giving out to them and scolding mm-hmm. them and we all had to you know be quiet and and I understood that and I understood like that there's a way of getting things done but I kind of I had to listen to a lot of us being lectured to about you know respect and cleaning mm-hmm. up after yourselves and I remember it all came to a head one day I was in second year I was just coming yeah I was in second half of second year and we had been told in various meetings that we need to clean up after ourselves after lunch and I am so neat and like you would never have to tell me to do that but they said that the threat was if you don't clean up after yourselves you're not going to have any crockery and no cups or sauces to eat your food with next week and so anyway inevitably as you can probably tell they're the people left stuff and so they got rid of everything and I came in like a bull and I waited until lunchtime and I went down and I opened up the thing and there was no crockery I shut the door I went into the office and I was just like I'm 27 years of age and I want a fork <laughs> they're like give her a fork give her a fork so yeah that I didn't enjoy so much what age was everyone else on the course between the age of 18 and 24 okay okay but they were a very excitable kind of a class (laughs) yeah and as you know as is natural yeah of course they're drama students who just finished the leaving cert and they got into the gaiety and they Mm -hmm. really wanted to get into the gaiety and they're like bursting with enthusiasm and creativity and like brilliant but I just, yeah, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So, Are any of them like super famous now? Well, Stephanie Preisner was in my class and we were always good friends throughout our two years together, which is why she came on board to direct my play, The Humans Abandon. And she's kind of gone down the writing route now, as mm-hmm. you, your listeners will probably know. So she's she was, just released a book called Why Can't I Say No? Can I Say No? Can I Say No? Can I Say No? <laughs> I, can always, I always hear it in, her, in, in a Cork accent. Can I Say No? Um, Yes, she's just released that book uh, Hot hot on the Heels of her first book uh, uh, Why Can't Everything Stay the Same And Other Things I Think About When I Something How could I forget the last word But I have Um, But she also wrote uh, Can't Go Bone Cope And plenty of uh, other exciting projects In the pipeline for her too But she was in my class A theatre actress called Genevieve Hume Beeman It's always the double barrelers, isn't it? (laughs) A really well, hilarious list went around recently of um, the top lacrosse players in the US. I think it, it, went, it went around Twitter and it was literally like Henry Winkle Duff Murphy II. You know what I mean? It was all like, <laughs> well, like not Murphy. It wasn't as ordinary as Murphy. But they were all double barreled and 80% of them had like the second, the first or like Sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross. That is funny. I think, yeah, a double barrel, it just afford you this air of mystery or I don't know. Well, it depends on the double barrel, doesn't it? Well, but they're always, people would be more interested, I think, to know, oh, well, they, they have three names now. Who are they? Why do, why do they have three? And somebody I only was, have the somebody two. Somebody was like slagging me off recently for not having a middle name, which felt like a very primary school thing. Rosemary doesn't have a middle name. You don't <laughs> like, have a middle name? No. <laughs> Is that why you put the A in between the M and the C in the Mac? No. I don't know. <laughs> that, was, that was my dad. But now there's a, like... Our, he just our, decided. No, like, so so... He claims that his dad was Philip McCabe, M-A-C space, not even just the A, M-A-C space, C-A-B-E. However, our cousins have omitted the space. They claim there was never a space. Dad claims there was absolutely a space. There's now there's hijinks going on in the family. Well, yeah. It's but is there a space? Is there not a space? <laughs> Who knows? And now I'm also like, it would have saved me a lot of time over my life if I could just get rid of the space and get rid of the A. Well, 
Well, well, I managed, but I kind of like the A. No, that's your thing now. It's your USP. Yeah. Well, so tell me about, so you you and Stephanie met in... In the Gaiety. The Gaiety School of Acting. And is The Humours of Bandon. So The Humours of Bandon is a play that started in 2016. Yes. It combines like a bit about your life, but also your background in Irish dancing. Like, yes. was that, I mean, was Irish dancing what you would have done if you hadn't become an actor? Oh, no. I wasn't good enough to oh. do Irish dancing as a profession. No, no, no. Do you think you would have been good enough if it wasn't for America? Um, I often think those fucking Americans. No, because... I mean? They take it so seriously and they go to all these like camps and shit and we don't have all that stuff. I mean, we have some camps and stuff, but like I went to the... Now I'm totally... You, you don't get to answer this question. Now no, I'm just going to talk. Answer it. I went to the Irish Dancing World Championships when they were on a City West a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And I just felt sorry for all the decent Irish girls. So I was like, these Americans now who've been paying their tutors and like buying the most expensive dresses, would you fuck off back to America? Have you seen the Irish Dancing documentary Jig? No, but I should. It's on YouTube. It's absolutely brilliant. But there are two dancers dancing under nine and they're like... Uh, going head to head. There's nothing more frightening than an ambitious child. <laughs> like <laughs> the honestly. American one has her like physiotherapist, and of course she has. And you, I, know, you oh. know what? You know what else she probably has? Laser focus. <laughs> she they breathe that into them over there. <laughs> she did. She did. And then the the Irish girl from Derry is just the cutest. She's like, my mother says, you know, if you have a talent, show everybody. And she is oh. the sweetest <laughs> kid. She wants to win for her grandmother. That's probably a dangerous precedent to set. <laughs> <laughs> She wants to win for her grandmother. Yeah, her grandmother bought her her Irish dancing costume and then died. <gasps> yeah, so she wanted to win for her granny. So these two kids are going head to head. Sorry, I won't tell you what spoiler happens. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but like, yeah, no, no, don't. I won't. Does she win? The one I can't Derry? tell you. You're going to have oh, to watch God. it. But do you think that you would have been good enough if it wasn't for the Americans? I don't think so. I wasn't no. ever on that trajectory. I I certainly loved my Irish dancing classes. I went twice a week and I went up through the grades and, you know, went to the All-Irelands every See, year. If you were in America, you would have been gone eight times a week. That's the difference. <laughs> but also Riverdance. OK, so the, the Riverdance as an interval act happened in 1994 and then the stage show 95, 96 so I went to college in 2001. So it was only really five years after Riverdance was making the rounds. So now there were offshoot shows. So there was Rhythm of the Dance, oh, yeah, yeah. Magic of the Dance, Fire of the Dance. I'm not even joking. Yet. Like there were so many offshoots of that show. And then obviously Lord of the Dance as well. Yeah. And there was loads like Celtic, Celtic Rhythm. Celtic Rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Celtic Fire. There was a lot of money to be made, but... I I didn't audition for any of those shows. Also, the Irish dancing organisation that I was a part of didn't necessarily train us at the time in the style of dancing mm-hmm. that was that making it around the world. Popular and lucrative. Yeah, basically. and now it does. But certainly I didn't dance in that style. And I didn't mm-hmm. really have any aspirations to join an Irish dancing troupe and tour around because I did that show when I was 17 and I thought I want to be an actor and so part of my reasoning of going to do multimedia in DCU was to like in my spare time immerse myself in what it is that I wanted to do yeah whereas Irish dancing was always and this is kind of one of the theme and one of the themes in the show like 
when you're just going along with something because it's something that you always did as opposed to yeah, taking yeah. stock and actually deciding for yourself in the moment, do I want this? Mm. So yeah, I, I knew I knew that I never wanted to join an, an Irish dancing troupe, but certainly there, I mean, there was money to be made and people have traveled the world and yeah, it's been, it's the been abs. great for them. Yeah. The abs. The abs. Was, like, I mean, I have the no legs, interest in, abs. I have no interest in dancing or in any kind of cardiovascular activity. <laughs> I have no interest in being particularly fit, but I'd love the abs now you get from dancing. The abs are, they're beasts. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so good. And I see kids like they're, with this little one in, in, uh, the documentary jig from Derry, you see her doing her crunches in her bedroom and it's just like covered in like teddies and trophies. And, you know, it's a it's a very cute room. It's and she's weird. there like working out, doing her stretches. It's like, yeah. Do you remember when we we all used to read the interviews of Brittany and she used to claim to do like 2000 sit ups a day? Oh, she did, do didn't she? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like around the time of a slave for you and everyone's like, where'd you get that body from? She was like, 2000 sit ups. Yeah, was Every it 2000? Something like that. Wow, where would she even find the time? Would she be doing her interviews like... <laughs> I mean, she she never did that many interviews, did she? Did she not? I think she was just doing sit-ups and shows back to back. <laughs> <laughs> Non-stop. So, so tell me about... So The Humours Abandon is about... Like, about Irish dancing. Do you but want the elevator really? pitch? Do you want the what? Do the elevator yeah, pitch? Yeah, please. The Humours Abandon is a coming-of-age comedy about competitive Irish dancing. And Very it's good. Uh, loosely based on, I suppose, my personal experience of Irish dancing as opposed to, you know, detailing what happened in my Irish dancing life. So it was like a lot of the characters are are kind of based on an amalgamation of lots of different people I knew as opposed to, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I know exactly who that is. Yeah, and I know yeah, exactly I who you, that yeah. is because I, I, I felt it was really important for me to write something that I was removed from because every night you have to go there and this mm-hmm, was some mm-hmm. solid advice given to me by Stephanie Preisner because she had performed Sabadine as my boyfriend over 200 times and she said in it she was talking about you know a breakup and every night that she did that show she had to go through that again oh, <laughs> she was you. like yeah, I'm yeah. so over that but every night I have to relive have to get it. Back into it yeah. so just be careful to like not write something too close to you right now because you have to go back there and you might be well past it by the time you still have to perform. Yeah, yeah. So that was really good advice. One of many, she is like an oracle. Um, Stop going on about Stephanie Price. I know, I know. This is not about Stephanie Price. This is about you. (laughs) This is about Margaret McAuliffe. (laughs) Thanks, Rosemary Mac, Abe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And is that the first project that you worked on together? Um... Yes, outside of college, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly we did little bits and pieces together in college and we always respected each other um, greatly and very similar sense of humour as well. I wonder if Stephanie would, like, would listen to this and be like, God, I hated her for the first few months. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> no, she, she, she often tell, uh, relives this moment where I went off to get a snack or something and I had Fork. a snack bar. No, like a snack bar. And I gave some to a girl that I ended up living with for a while and I didn't give any to Stephanie. And she's like, you didn't give me your snack bar. I'm like, oh God, how I regret that decision. <laughs> but snack bars are pretty small as well, Stephanie. So like... Yeah, no, I know. It's just, it was just if you're sharing with one person, you're not getting away. a lot of snack yourself. <laughs> but anyway, then she directed The Humours Abandoned and all is forgiven. And how did how did the idea for The Humours Abandoned, it's, 
I mean, this to me, no offense, is slightly gassed that you're like playing a 16 year old in this play. Yeah, I know. The thing with uh, the humor's abandoned is I play many parts. I play like seven, eight different parts. And so the older I get, I'm actually getting closer to playing the teacher and the mother. So the playing the Annie, the protagonist, is just another stretch. So I'm kind of in the middle point to play all of these other characters. And when my hair is all in my long plait with the orange ribbons in it and I have my green t-shirt on and my green leggings and my Irish dancing pumps and my poodle socks on and I say like so I'm finished dancing and I'm watching the under and over 19s and you know you're far enough away from me not to see my crow's feet you can just hear my voice and see the way I'm carrying myself. It's acting and I can get away with it. The mother then is total caricature. Um, no, she's based on my own mother, but she's, you know, she's kind of I've hunched over her shoulders and I've I've made decisions in the in the hands and stuff like that to really emphasize because you don't have any costume changes in a one woman show. You don't have any set. You just have yourself. So in order to differentiate oh, yeah, between the protagonist is talking now, Annie's talking or the mother or the teacher, you have to make slight little adjustments in your physicality and your voice to bring the audience right in. So, yeah, so that they're not confused to know who's talking. Now. Yeah. And and so how did it come about? Did did you was it like, did you come up with the idea and say, Stephanie, I'd like you to direct this? Um, no, it actually happened um, more, I suppose. I, I had my pal Ronan Phelan, who I was speaking about earlier. Uh, I had him in mind to play or to play the director, to be the director. And unfortunately, he, well, fortunately him. for him. He was like, Mags, no, no. Um, no, stop calling me. Actually, it wasn't him. It was his secretary. And, um, no. So he was going over to the Abbey to, he was assisting on um, Planet Stars at the time. So he was going to be away. He was only ever going to be there for kind of the rehearsal period and maybe the opening night and then would have to shoot off to America and thought, no, I want to be able to like really look after the show if um, if I take it on. And so I was meeting up with Stephanie and we'd be having coffee and she's writing Can't Go Bone Cope and she's, you know, she's flying it and we'd meet up for chats and I'm like, okay, Rona won't do it. And she's like, okay, who can we think of? And she had a list. And so I asked somebody on the list that she gave me and that person was really enthusiastic about doing it. And then something happened in their private life that they, uh, they couldn't commit to it anymore. So the person actually said to me, you know, go back to Ronan and, you know, really guilt him about this. So I went back to Ronan. I was like, please. Um, and his gaff and stony better. And he's like, oh, I can't. I just I can't. Oh, I would want to give myself over to it totally. He's like, uh, then I said something like, well, Stephanie thinks. And he's like, why don't you just ask Stephanie? And she's not, you know, a theatre director mm-hmm. by profession. I mean, she certainly has directed plays before when she was in new theatre and um, just after the gaiety. And she did a one woman show herself. Salpadine is my boyfriend and our father. So I went back to, and as luck would have it the next day, she just rang me for a chat and I was like, oh, Ronan had the craziest idea. <laughs> and she was so busy at the time, Rosemary. I can't tell you just how little time she had. And she just kind of went, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, oh my God. But like we had to meet up and say, right, these are the amount of weeks that we have. This mm-hmm. is the amount of time in the week that we have. So it was like, it was fast paced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mile a minute. Um, it is uh, an hour long and it You're has... very good at making that quite... Um, like that was a good kind of cock tease. Right now <laughs> I feel like, like... I mean, I obviously have 
spent the entire time thinking I really want to see the play. Oh, no, great. but I mean, now I'm kind of going, well, now I really want to see it. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I well, only have five weeks in Ireland and I have lots oh, to yeah. do. So like, well, maybe we'll play Indiana. I was in, um, no, honestly, we were in um, New York with it. In So Fishamble, the new play company, I should say how it all came about because it's not just me on my own writing a play and all of a sudden it is all the success. So Stephanie obviously came on as as director, but it, it was written as part of a thing called Show in a Bag for the Dublin Fringe Festival. So Show in a Bag is an initiative run by the Irish Theatre Institute, Fish Amble, the new play company and Dublin Fringe to resource theatre makers actors with putting or with giving them production support and enabling them to put on their own piece of work, which will then tour around the country. So show in a bag was given the name because they said the show should be small enough to put in your car so that you can just drive around. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's no great so it's not a huge production. Yeah, really, no, no. Yeah. It's just about storytelling, really. And so um, and there was a small stipend available for a director. So Stephanie was employed to do that. And then after its second performance in the Dublin Fringe Festival, um, Fish Amble, the new play company, said we would like to offer you a uh, we'd like to produce it basically for 2017. And Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 2018 and now we're in 2019 and st- we're still going. So Fish Amble, the new play company, have been like have given me such opportunities to see places and I've been to Australia and like Vancouver, New York, we went to Brighton, like yeah, it's just been amazing. How many times have you performed this play then? 140. Wow. Yeah, I think 141 after last night. I did in Hill and Calvin. In New York, the Irish Arts Centre were saying if you wanted to do all of the Irish Arts Centres in region, in like Midlands, in in like all over the States, yeah. you, you would have huge audiences. So they're they're like, you should absolutely look into that. So maybe I'll be going to Indiana. I'll definitely, well, I would definitely go. <laughs> I would drive up to two and a half hours. Okay, cool. I'm trying to think like Indianapolis is two and a half hours. I'd go two and a half hours. I'll get my little protractor out and <laughs> make sure that that's, that encapsulates <laughs> your, your, your traveling distance. Work it out in a radius. Yeah. And so like, is that pretty much what you have been doing for the last two years or are there like loads of other bits? Um, It's definitely taken up the most amount of my time. I worked with a theatre company called Collapsing Horse and we brought um, a play called Requiem for the Truth to Bergen in Norway in August last year. No, September for the Norwegian Fringe Festival. That was brilliant. And it was great to have a break from doing a one woman show because mm. it's quite a lonely experience yeah, of course. because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I get on with my stage manager whoever it is I've had a few um, um, I get on with my stage <laughs> manager they keep quitting after a week <laughs> 
it's just availability like no however, I know, I like, know, I know. yeah however like hard it is to make a career as um as an actor because there's so many people wanting to act and so few jobs stage managers there's so few on the ground so good like good ones so trying to get them and you book them for yeah. time in advance when and also you don't know I guess how long something is going to run for necessarily like you know you might know it's going to run for two months but then suddenly you're like oh shit we want to do another month or mm. we want to do a month here and then they're not available because they booked something else yeah 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 so of course it's a dance it is quite lonely you know and sometimes I come off stage and I'm like <laughs> you're in the, oh, you're all yeah. in the dressing room and you're like oh that joke really landed tonight eh Mags like yeah, <laughs> yeah nobody yeah. else there yeah fortunately I'm going into rehearsals for Much Ado About Nothing Rough Magic are putting it on for the Kilkenny Arts Festival so we're starting rehearsals for that on Monday next Monday oh amazing so there'll be a cast of and, nine and who's that directed by? Uh, a guy called Ronan Phelan <laughs> Are we going to explain why? You really are. You really there. are following him around. Go on, go on, go on. Explain. We were we were talking about the one, the only Ronan Feeling, but before we came on air. Yes. So now, like, now I have to repeat the story. Oh, I'll, I'll give the like cliff the notes. notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ronan Feeling and myself are both from Malahide, and we got married in the yard <laughs> when we were in junior infants. And actually, Claudine Palmer, Robbie Keane's wife, was our bridesmaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh my god, <laughs> it was a like star Irish, Irish A list are just just so nepotistic. <laughs> you all stick together, don't you? So that was uh, when we were five, and then it was yeah. her mom the other bridesmaid. Oh, that would have been very that would have been perfect. <laughs> would have been perfect. Yeah, no, unfortunately not. Um, so. Then at at the age of like when we were going into second class, he left Malahide and went to a different school. And so I was bereft. Couldn't see him. The only time I got to see him was at mass. He would sing Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. And then he had this big chorus behind him. Mercy on and I was like swooning away. <laughs> And so that's all the contact. It's so I Irish to be like, I was swooning at the soloist of Mass. Obsessed with him I was. Oh, his big chocolate brown eyes. And oh, wow. I thought there was nothing like him. It would like Rona. And do you remember that thing you used to be able to do in your copybook? Ronan Feeling loves Margaret McAuliffe. And you oh. work out the percentage. Oh, yeah. We were 98%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking you. So this is me all the way up. I'm, I'm like, shamefully, i got to say, I had a crush in Ronan all the way up to about 14. Maybe even past that, if I'm being honest, honest. Because um, other than seeing him at a disco where he rebuffed my offer of meeting him, you know, kissing Me. him. Me. Um, and seeing the back of his head and the Jervis, I then bumped into him. No, actually, my friend uh, went to... Her friend went to DIT, Rap Minds, and she said, uh, a friend of mine has just started on that course. She said Ronan Phelan is on the course with her. And I was like, oh, no way, really? And she was like, yeah, yeah. She said uh, he was asking about you. And I was like, really? And she's like, no, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so she's gas. We're that's friends also a such a sister thing to do. That. Like that's only something your friend for yeah. 20 years could oh, do really yeah. and get away oh, with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're still best so friends. So good and so mean. So cruel. So then the, I didn't see him again until the, uh, we were both in our late 20s and we were waiting outside the Olympia, the AMIs were on. So we we're all queuing up outside on Dame Street and I saw him and I was like, oh, I have to say it. I have to say it. I went up to him and I was like, um, sorry, are, are you Ronan Phelan? And he looked and he said, Margaret McAuliffe, the only woman I've ever loved. 
we're not together. <laughs> but he's directing the play that I'm doing. <laughs> That's such a beautiful could be love story. Oh, I know. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I know. But I'm actually like his boyfriend is way cooler nicer than you. and cooler and more artistic than I am. Yeah. Nathan wins hands down. I mean, it's not all about being cool and artistic, is it? I I fucking hope not. I'm literally going to be single forever. So where where is the humor's abandoned? Is it still playing now? You're going into much to do about nothing. Is it on? Is it on pause? It's on pause for a while. I know that we have dates planned for towards the end of the year in um, the Pavilion in Dunleary. We played there initially in 2017 and we had great success with it. We played it there two nights. Um, We did such an extensive Irish tour in 2017 that I'd love to do more Irish dates because it's only now people are hearing about it, I guess, because, you know, word of mouth. And so everyone's very enthusiastic. Like, I've never seen it. And even people like... Um, in the theatre scene in Ireland, in Dublin and, and and beyond are like, do you know, I've never seen that show. And so I'd love to do a few more Dublin dates, but it's just a case of finding um, a venue and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And sorting it all out. Hmm. And you mentioned the the American tour. How would that work? You know, like if they were saying, oh, you know, you could play in Irish centres. This is a very like, tell me the ins and outs of the theatre world. Yeah. But I suppose I'm wondering... Who like like who pays you? Is it based on ticket sales? Is it do like do the Irish? Is it the Irish American? Is it some organisation that goes, we'll pay you to do this for X number of weeks, or how does it work? So there's a um, kind of funding body that was set up in 2005 called Culture Ireland, and they're amazing. They've been instrumental in enabling Irish artists and Irish art to travel overseas. So particularly for my touring that I've done overseas, Fishamble, the new play company in conjunction with Culture Ireland have facilitated me to go to Australia. So they will look after the flights and um, the accommodation. And then in conjunction with various venues, they will produce the show and tour the show in their country. So it's kind of a, um, an amalgamation of loads mm-hmm. of different people. Mm-hmm. And that's where the funding comes from. So I'm paid by Fishamble the new play company um, and they get source their funding from lots of different places and then there's obviously deals done on ticket sales and all that that I am completely outside of thankfully um, I would be an awful producer and so uh, I was very very grateful when Fish Amble came on board to produce my show because if it was left up to me I wouldn't have a clue. It sounds like a really um, legit and above board kind of method of money laundering. <laughs> I was like well the money goes to this person then goes to this person then goes to this one then eventually comes to me. <laughs> Maybe that's just because I've just watched Good Girls season two on Netflix. So I'm very interested and invested in money laundering right now. Well, I haven't seen Good Girls. Would you recommend? I'm always reluctant to recommend things to people because I have really, really shit taste. (laughs) And I like everything. Like, I quite enjoyed Warcraft, the movie. Which even the most avid World of Warcraft fan will tell you was dire. And you enjoyed it for different reasons, though. No, I just thought it was a great gas. Okay. She was very entertained. Yeah. You know, okay. I, like, I, like I don't have high expectations from my from my TV and movies. I just want to go and like Enjoy. be entertained for an hour and a half. Well, there. Good Girls. Um, yes, what, what I like about it is um, there are three uh, distinct and interesting and flawed female characters who oh. are the main characters in the show. Do they talk about men? Every single episode passes the Bechdel test. <sighs> um, it's I about, just got goosebumps. <laughs> it's about three women who are like relatively ordinary, who suddenly realize that they, they're they all basically fucked and need to get money. So they rob a convenience store. And that's kind of how their life of crime begins. But okay. they're these like totally average moms who suddenly 
turn into criminals and get caught up with this kind of dr- like drug gang and the head of the drug gang is such a ride oh honestly he's just amazing so hot yeah a colossal so, ride is really integral in AVs I know yeah. and you know who else is in it what's that actor's name he was in um, She's All That he played the guy who made the bet with Freddie Prince Jr remember when he was like I bet you you can't get Lainey Boggs to win prom green or whatever it was I remember the moment and he was also in I think he's in Varsity Blues he was in loads of films I was around that time of like teenage films when you said she's all that I thought you were going to ask what Freddie Prince Jr's name was I didn't even have that for you no so I have I have Freddie Prince Jr's name and I also have Gabrielle Union was in that wow um actually you know what this no this guy played uh do you remember Freddie Prince Jr.'s... Now, this is like a deep dive into She's All That. Remember Fr- Freddie Prince Jr.'s ex-girlfriend who breaks up with him in the very first scene is like, I've met someone on my holidays. Yes. And she's going out with this guy who's a DJ. He plays him. Okay. And I think he was in Road Trip. Anyway, the point is, he now plays the husband of Christina Hendricks' character. Christina Hendricks Christina being Hendricks from Mad Men. In she's in it, yeah. And she's brilliant in it and also very different to her character from Mad Men. Okay. But he plays her like totally wrecked looking husband. And I, I I find it very soothing because I think a lot of men in Hollywood have really improved with age and he has not. <laughs> and I just was he like, He looks like a normal now. person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find it looks ever wrecked, more like. um, unsettling the more model acting is becoming in oh, the States. Yeah. And I just, I find it hard to like identify with the characters if they're all so ridiculously good looking. Yeah. It's just, it's not an honest depiction of what people actually look like. And that's actually what's good about this as well, not to turn this into an entire conversation about good girls, but Christina Hendricks is the the most um, traditionally beautiful of the three women. Okay. They're all definitely very attractive. One of the women is black and she is uh, like very, very heavy. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Um, I was going to say, because I, 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 I like using the word fat when people are fat because I think it's important not to be afraid yeah. of using the word fat. Absolutely. And like I used it about myself, but I'm also reluctant to use it about other people because sometimes people don't want to be called fat, if you know what I mean. So she is so she's you're a listening. larger lady. <laughs> you're listening. And then there's... Um, no offense made. Another woman, and I can't remember the name of her, can't remember the name of the actor who plays her, but I follow her on Instagram and she's just mad looking. She's like, like she's really in, she's one of these really interesting looking people. Striking, they say. Very striking. Mm. Like, very attractive, but also just, you wouldn't like, you wouldn't draw, you wouldn't think to draw her. Mm. She's just mad looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad looking little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like gorgeous, but they're all very cool. But yes, yes, I recommend that. They're good in their roles, yeah. Um, yeah, much as I'd like to keep going on about the, the, the shit that I watch on Netflix. <laughs> um, you, so you mentioned, so the next thing that you've got going is Much Do About Nothing. Much Do About Nothing. And also, <clears throat> I've been uh, approached by a... a Modeling agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This 36-year-old just been snapped up. Listen, walking they the need models of, of all ages these days. <laughs> um, thanks very much. Um, and no, I was approached <laughs> by um, a film production company to option Humans Abandoned to turn it into a feature. Oh, so wow. You might be able to see a version of it uh, on the screen. And, and would you be in it or would that be... I would certainly want to put my hat in the ring. But it wouldn't be ego driven um, because I I would be interested in making the best possible film that I Mm. could make. And if I'm wrong for a part, I would want the right character to play it to really give it that integrity that I've written. So um, 
Yeah, I was even talking about this with with somebody recently and they said, oh, would you want to play the the, the teacher? And I said, uh, no, I'm not right for the teacher. And they were like, but you play it in your play. And I'm like, yeah, but there's someone that can play it better. And I have someone in mind. Um, I'd like this to play the Stephanie Price. No, it's not Stephanie Price. <laughs> but I'd like to play the mother. And she's like, oh, but the teacher's a much bigger part. And I was like, yeah, but I'm right for the mother. Do you know? Yeah, so yeah, for yeah. me, it's about, yeah, getting the right person for the role. And then even if by the time we get to casting, if it, I mean, fingers crossed, this all goes ahead, they seem to think it will. Yeah. Um, they're very enthusiastic about the prospect because, again, it's a female driven story. It's a hero's journey and it's not to do with a man. It's not to do with yeah, a boy yeah. or anything like that. And it's like also that. like, so my mom, every time I talk about writing any kind of book, my mom says, you know what you do now? Write it in Irish. Because then it'll get in the curriculum. So this is a similarly strategic thing that I was going to say is, but Irish dancing does very well in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there would be an audience, do you know mm. what I mean? For like, I don't know that there and are any in Asia, films and in about... Australia and oh, yeah. yeah, it's huge. Like, worldwide. I don't know that there are any films about Irish dancing, like feature films. No. Well, like this documentary that you should check out, Jig, Jig. is excellent. I really want to see that little yeah. Dairy Girl. Oh, she's so cute. I just oh, watched so Dairy Girl season one, 10 years <sighs> after everyone else so on the good. plane over to Chicago. Oh my God. I was like, turn the plane around. <laughs> no, because that's season two. I haven't got to that point. All right, okay. No, no, I just oh, meant like, sorry, it, you it just was so good oh, and you were yeah, leaving yeah, yeah. Ireland. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, I, I get you. I was like, what? When are they on a plane? You've ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually so funny. And then I was talking to some American guy and he said, um, I told a friend of mine that I met an Irish girl and he asked, had you seen the Titanic um, exhibition in Ireland? And I said, well, no, I haven't. But you know, that's in Northern Ireland. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, that's not technically the Republic of Ireland. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, when the UK, blah, blah, blah. And he had no clue. Mm. And it made, and like Dairy Girls made me feel very patriotic. And then these conversations make me feel really like everyone should watch Dairy Girls. <laughs> you should all know what we went through. Like through, through the lens of comedy is fine, but you should know. Yeah, I think they've, uh, she's done a great job juxtaposing oh, the so comedy. Good. And then the, just the end. So you watch the end of series one, that last episode. Yes. Where they're all on stage having that big, like the dance. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that for me is is the genius of the show. Oh, it was so clever. That you've so juxtaposed those two. And yeah, you've 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 set this all in, you know, at yeah. a time of the troubles. And yet people, it's everyday life. You know, people got on with things. You know, they, yeah. they still were teenage girls. Yeah, and of this course. is what and they, they still, got up to. And like their big problems yeah. are not to do with that. Yeah. But they also are. Yes. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was so well done. Yeah, and even yeah, like. Yeah. The checkpoints throughout and mm. the mentions of the money, mm. you know, like, did you get your punts? Have you got your, like, what do you yeah. mean? You know, the, yeah. the things that we and the disdain for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Over Tommy Tiernan's character. But oh, there's also so nothing, good. oh my God, that was great. But there's also nothing like, there's nothing like going to a foreign country to bring out the absolute, like, fierce patriotism in you. Oh, I had a it. big fight with some American person about the word Gaelic. Oh, and I was okay. like, that is a sport, not a language. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, it's not a language. Our language is called Gaelga, if you're speaking Irish. And otherwise it's called Irish if you're speaking English. <laughs> and he was like, is it not Gaelic? And I was like, stop talking. <laughs> stop talking right now. I'd really love Bad to enough. see you have these head-to-heads with these <laughs> Americans. That would be its own show. Because <laughs> you're just so steely, so deadpan. <laughs> the dead no. eyes. No. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Sorry, much ado about nothing. When yes. and where is that going to be? That is on as part of the Kilkenny Arts Festival. It is on for from the 8th until the 18th. I think I've got that right. It might either 
18th or 19th, 8th to the 19th, say, of August in Kilkenny. Oh, God, so that's a quick turnaround then. If you're like, so you're starting rehearsals on Monday. So we have four wow. weeks rehearsals. That is a quick turnaround. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Well, four weeks. I think, yeah, we wanted, f- yeah, I think the director wanted five, but um, yeah, for. Then there was an extra cast member. Anyway, like it's four weeks. Acting is mad, really. I'd be like, let's aim for a solid 12. In it's gas. I mean, they're the the weeks change based on the shows and what people, what what funding opportunities are available to people and stuff. So I've known shows that have taken eight weeks to put on. And I, I was in a show that took six weeks to put on, you know, four weeks. And then most recently, I went to see a show in the Abbey that they had a two week rehearsal period. And I just. I just couldn't, I couldn't crap. understand how they got what they got. Was it on. rubbish though? No, it was like, it, it had loads in it. Like there was just, it was just a colossal mm. piece of work. Um, Have but, you ever been to see the 24 hour plays? Yeah, I was in one. The DYT ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to one, I've been to two shows because my cousin is really involved with um, DYT. Oh, right. So Who's I've your cousin? Roseanne Smith. Oh, I don't know Roseanne. Um... Roseanne, Rosemary. Roseanne, Rosemary, yeah. Um, but I've, I've been to two of them and that's basically where they have 24 hours from concept to... Yes. Like production. Yeah. And it's Exhibition. amazing. Yeah, no, yeah. it's incredible. It's You're high. Like I was walking around like I felt high. It was, do you sleep in the 24 hours? You, The actors do. The mm. writers don't sleep until they've their play written and then they can sleep. someone. Yeah, but they, they have to have their like eye masks on because they're sleeping at, you know... They're going to bed when everyone's getting up. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great cause and it's um, very exciting and just just to see what can be achieved in twenty yeah, hours yeah. is, is is astounding. Yeah. yeah, it's a great initiative. They yeah, make a was, lot of money. For yeah, yeah. Theater, it's an, yeah, it's excellent. It's really worked out. Max, thank you so much thank you, for taking the time Abe. <laughs> to come and to come and teach me more about how to be sound. Ish. I mean, how to be? Would you not just call it like an being sound with Rosemary McCabe? No. So th- the reason I called it how to be sound is because I thought the idea that I would know how to be sound was kind of funny. You know that it was kind of like <laughs> tongue in cheek because at the time I was getting a lot of shit online for people who were just like, "Oh, I hate her. She's such a pain. She's such a smug bitch. She's always doing this. She's always doing that." What? So yeah. So I, like from my point of view, this was kind of a like fight back going. This is kind of funny to go. I'm going to call my podcast how to be sound. And next thing another's post. Did you see she's launching a podcast called How To Be Sound? What would she know about it? And I was like, that's the fucking point, you idiots. Oh my God, I'm so sorry you have to put up with that. Oh, that's, thanks very much. It's it's calmed down a lot since I put up all of my writing behind a paywall. So now the only people who read it are people who actually want to, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. I've protected myself with a financial force field. I'm good. I'm glad, I'm glad. How yeah. can people um, stalk you online if oh, they want to? I'm moi underscore mags on Instagram. That's um, French. <laughs> I know. Moi mags. <laughs> <laughs> Although any French person I've ever introduced myself to has dropped the S for some reason. Chefs, waiters down the line, they'd be like, mag. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's, there's only one of you, uh, Mag. <laughs> <laughs> so, moi underscore Mags. And, uh, is that Instagram and Twitter? That's, I think so. Yeah, I think it is Twitter as so. well. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I like it. You know, it's cute. I also have, uh, I, I've started this thing now, because with the amount of touring I'm doing, I'm like entertaining myself in the dressing room because there's no other co-stars with me. Co-stars. 
Get her. Get her. It's not suits, Mags. It's the humans about You're the only star. Um, but uh, so to entertain myself, I do this thing called uh, hashtag backstage snacks with an X. And it's just to show you what people give you before you go out and do a show in various different theatres. And what's the worst thing you've ever been given? Well, nothing. Um, but that's not bad because they just... They don't, they're not in the habit of mm-hmm. providing it or whatever. And that's like, I wouldn't say that's bad at all. Like, okay. I just get a kick well, like, out of it. But like, what's the weirdest thing you've ever been given before a show? Well, just last night, I was given a pair of Irish dancing shoes, a pair of palms and three pairs of poodle socks. Well, that sounds like the best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also the weirdest thing. Like, I couldn't believe my luck or, you know, their generosity. Yeah. It was like, what? But in terms of like odd things, um, I got a huge box of snacks and refreshments and tea and Baraka and they had this is in Australia in the Illawarra Performing Arts Centre in Wollongong which is like an hour and a half south of Sydney and in it they had given me a um, packet of Marmite breaded like mini bag mini slices of baguette that were Marmite Marmite flavoured Australians are very uncivilised did you eat any of them? I mean, hopefully not before. I ate the whole bag. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh my God, were they gross? <sighs> I was picking. I was, what's that, grazing? You look really sad about the fact that you ate, you're like, I I ate them really all sad I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah I, it was a bad move. And what's oh, the, the weirdest thing they gave me. Weirder than that? Yeah. It was in Riverside and Parramatta. They gave me this, this aniseed... Yang seed sweet and you opened it up and it was like half date half aniseed chewy and crunchy and it was like an avocado there was a hard thing in the middle it was that was the oddest thing I've ever received did you eat them all as well no I only took a tiny bit the corner and I was like no I can't I can't do this yeah I think I was influenced by the fact that I'd eaten the marmite things I thought no Megs you don't have to eat this now Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, if you can eat them, you can eat anything. No, no, no. No, I was like, you ate them. That's on you That's now. your sacrifice. Um, <laughs> and what was the, what's the best pre, pre-game food? Um, I think in Connecticut, uh, I played in Whitneyville. She's not from there. But I was like, is she from here? No. It's just called Whitneyville, Connecticut. They have the best, the, the best town names in America. <laughs> I know, don't they? It's one of my favorite. Like, I love when they have towns called, like, Disgrace, Despair, Misery. What? Really? I love those town names. Are they all in Indiana? Probably. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. No. I mean, I think they're probably all in the Midwest. Okay. But cool. Uh, and I mean, I mean, some of them could be odd. made up from a Jack Reacher novel. Go on. <laughs> Whitneyville, Connecticut. They, yeah, they were just really, really sweet. They had like a, a big box of jumbo sized fruit, lots of different melons and grapes and stuff like that. But they were like the size of your fist. And um, then they got me like lion's tea and they got me like Tato oh, cheese cute. and onion because they thought, oh, she's Irish. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going back there, there next the week. They weren't the Northern Irish ones, were they? <laughs> uh, no, but I'd say they were knocking around Imported. in some convenience store mm. for quite a while. I uh, I was like, oh, thanks. It was just really, the, the yeah, hall was yeah. so sweet. I was just so taken aback. They were lovely there. They were so enthusiastic about the show as well. Anyone in America is just... God, what would I want? I mean, I actually just couldn't, if I was going on to do a show where I in any way had to be physically like I presume there's a bit bit of dancing is oh, there oh there's a bit of dancing bit yeah. of dancing if I had to do anything I basically couldn't eat for about 20 like I get really bad gas yeah. so anything I ate 
for me it's reflux I and there's a point in the show and it's always when I go over I go over to get a pair of shoes and I'm putting them on and I'm doing a little monologue and I lean down because I'm sitting on a table and I'm leaning Mm. down to do the to do the laces and if I've eaten like within three hours actually of the show I'll just oh yeah (laughs) it's like in school I like mats No, but I really do like maths. Well, there's um, something very, um, I don't know, like it was grand when I was a kid, but as I've got older now, when I have to tie my shoelaces, my stomach sometimes just gets in the way. You know, yeah. it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. That's yeah. why everyone should have a PA. Mm, a maid. A maid, a, a handmaid. No. <laughs> um, a, what's, what was it called? Uh, like in Downton Abbey. Oh, um, I, I, I mean, they were maids, but like, like what were they called? Ladies maids or something? Oh, Everybody should have one of those to do maid. up your corset and your shoes. Mm, corset wouldn't be into a corset now. I'd say they just have permanent reflux. <gasps> I'd say Kim Kardashian's never had a big ass in her life. How um, dare you? Yeah, well, she also doesn't use the bathroom and, you know, all of that. Oh, you shouldn't use the bathroom for the whole thing. Listen, yeah. listen. Look, we could go on. Liam's looking tired. Oh, sorry. Before you go, speaking yeah. of Liam, mm. I should mention... That you were also in Petrified. I was in Petrified. Which was a... Horror podcast. A horror podcast. A horror dramatization podcast, which recently won bronze at the New York Podcast Awards. New York Radio Awards. New York Radio Awards. New York Radio Awards. New York Radio Awards. Well done! In addition to that, his own podcast, Meet Your Maker, also got bronze at the New York Radio Awards. Is this bad to say? Are you his best friend or am I his best friend? (laughs) How dare you? Mags, thank you very much for coming on How To Be Sound and for stealing my, stealing my best friend Thunder at the very end. And speaking of Liam, who has won not one, but two bronze medals at the New York Radio Awards, he produces my podcast, is a wonderful human being, and you can listen to Meet Your Maker anywhere you get this podcast. You can look it up on meetyourmaker.ie. Thank you all so much for listening to How To Be Sound. And if you are not already, please subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash McCabe with an A in my max. An A in my Max, an A in my Mac. I talk about loads of things, including dating, finance, feminism, and I tell the story about the father of four in the open marriage with whom I went on a date in Indiana. And you could read all about that on Patreon. And by the look on Mag's face, she's going off to sign up right now because she's dying to hear that story. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.